guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has but no one wants to admit to. Here with your hosts, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And a big shout out to our newest supporter on Patreon, Spiritual Abortion. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to all of our friends on Patreon. If you guys aren't already supporting us on Patreon, we'd love it if you considered it. If you guys like us and want to show some support to the podcast, make just go over to Patreon and sign up today. You get a bunch of really cool stuff such as the extended content for the podcast, where we do about an extra 15 to 20 minutes, as well as access to One Candle TV, which are just some videos that we only put up just for our patrons. And today, guys, we're going to be talking about blood. We're going to be talking about water. We're going to be talking about two different topics. We're going to start out with the sea serpent, and then we're going to be delving into a disappearance of, and possibly a murder most foul. Oh, you're hiding the best part. Vampires, guys. It's vampires. I was trying to, like, create some suspense. No, no, no. No, no, no yeah, It's just yeah. vampires, guys. <laughs> it's like, we have to be up front. Yeah, we're going to be talking about vampires later. It's going to be awesome. But first, your guys' black bag tip of the day, always have a horse nearby. If someone tries to black bag you, you can use it as a means of escape. It'll get you up high enough, it'll be hard to get the bag over your head. And if you need to, have him kick the man in black. Won't it just be easier for the horse to get black bag then? I mean, if it's used to, like, eating oats out of the bag, yeah, it's going to stick his head right in the bag. But while they're trying to drag out the horse to interrogate, that's a perfect chance for you to escape. Oh, man, I would be so pissed if, that was that, if I was that horse and, like, the dumb hand, like, there's, there's no oats in here? Like, where we go? I'm not going anywhere now. I'll tell you this. I grew up on a horse farm, and that's an expensive loss right there, man. You're, you're going to be feeling the loss of that horse. But it's still better than getting black bagged. Yeah, it would. Okay, so, yeah, the first thing that I'm going to talk about is recently in the news, there was this stuff going on about this weird creature that washed up on the shore of this beach in Mexico. I think it's pronounced uh, Destiladares, Mexico. I, I really hope that's right, because I had no chance to pronounce God, this we correctly. we are so bad at pronouncing stuff. Our apologies if we did, but that was our best guess. That was a long, that was a long city down okay. there. And while we're talking about it, let me pop up a picture of this for us to look at. And can you put a picture of this in the show notes as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link to you guys. And we'll also <laughs> post a uh, just a link to the article on our Facebook too so that you guys can see this. And definitely check out this creature. It's very, very odd. It's being called like this bizarre eyeless dolphin. And I've been looking at this thing a lot, guys. This is not a dolphin. This <laughs> is definitely not a dolphin. Now, I'll give, I'll give him this. The head shape looks dolphin-esque when you first look at it, but there are too many biological traits that makes this definitely not a dolphin. First, if you guys zoom in, you can make out that there's a nostril. First, dolphins don't have nostrils in like the tip of their snout. They have them, you know, like on the back of the head. It's basically their blowhole. Uh, also, if you look really close in the mouth, there's two different pictures of it. There's one where it's zoomed out and another one where it's zoomed in on the head. And this thing has three rows of teeth. It has uh, the normal one like we have where it goes to the left and the right, but it has a third one going through the middle. Not a trait normal for mammals. Um, finally, you, you can notice there's these weird kind of, it almost looks like stretch marks along the neck. 
That's common in certain animals that gorge. It allows their throat to kind of poof out and allow them to swallow like huge amounts of food at once. And I, I got some theories on this, but do you do you want to throw anything in on this? Yeah, the, the first thing that I want to say is probably to people that are thinking, um, you know, you're listening to this, but you don't really you don't really see it yet. The first thing that a lot of people probably think that we're talking about is some kind of like lobster, like some sort of like just decaying mass that just washed up on a beach, and that's really not what we're talking about when we're looking at this. Oh thing. yeah, this thing has very little signs of any sort of maceration or any sort of decay on it. I mean, it's clearly dead. It's clearly had a little bit, but this is relatively fresh. Yeah, like, the very first thing that came to my mind whenever uh, Vic wanted to talk about this, and I'm looking at this, is could this in some way, shape, or form just be some kind of, you know, decomposing animal? I mean, we've kind of talked about it before on the YouTube channel. We do, you know, did the Montauk Monster and whatnot, and we've talked about Globsters in some way, shape, or form, but no, looking at it, it, it does look decayed, but... The first, the first thing that I was drawn to looking at this thing, definitely, which makes you think that, is probably the marks on the neck. It's got like these st stretch marks or deep cracks that kind of look like in the picture that that go down its neck. And it, it's just a gnarly, oh gosh, he's pulling up a photo of it again, and it is just a gnarly, nasty looking thing that makes me terrified to go in the ocean. Beyond that, when you look at the picture of it zoomed out where you get to see the full body... Its body is more like, some people have likened it to a tadpole. It doesn't have that sort of fanned out tail, the flat fan that uh, dolphins and whales have. It has more like a eel or tadpole-like tail to it. And it has this stomach area where the fin doesn't really seem to go up to. And also, no, I can't tell if it has very small eyes, but I can't pick out any definite eyes on this thing. Well, you're talking about a science thing. Like, that was one of the things that jumped out at me to looking at this is there's no photos of people in the with the creature or, or anything next to it to give us some kind of like size comparison of what we're looking at. And in some of the articles, I really actually didn't see anything talking about how long this thing was. Yeah, that's one of the disappointing things about this. I would really like to have a good idea on how big this is. The picture, it seems to imply to me that it's a few feet long, yeah. though. It doesn't look like it's a very small creature. It no. looks like... I'm going to say at least four feet. Yeah, I'd say Pro that, that looks about Pro right. Probably bigger, just just with what we can see from the photo. It's it's at least four, but it probably could be bigger. And it, oh god, that is just such a terrifying thing to look at in the ocean. <laughs> I think I have an idea of what we might be looking at, and this would definitely be a new species. If this is not a photoshopped image, which I'm I'm tempted to say I don't think it is. I think that this might be some sort of unknown species of deep sea eel. I mean, this thing's clearly a hunting predator, but it has too many eel-like shapes or traits. The extra rows of teeth, the it has much longer, sharper teeth than dolphin would. They look very eel-like. That neck I was talking about where it gorges, and the the tail it looks very eel-like. Beyond that, it does seem to have nostrils out towards the front, and like say if you pull up a picture of a moray eel. Me of them have like a nostril-like structure up there. But even those kind of creatures have eyes. And when you're looking at this thing, it doesn't have eyes. And at first I thought, well, if this thing is like that far down in the deep sea, maybe it wouldn't need eyes. Cave fish don't see, and a lot of them don't have eyes. But a lot of deep sea fish still have eyes. Yeah, I'd almost still expect to see 
even if it didn't use them to see vestigial eyes, just kind of a, a relic left a over. Vestigial eyes? Okay, a vestigial um, appendage is something that, like, we've evolved out of, but we haven't gotten rid of it yet. Oh, yeah, I knew that the whole time. That's what you <laughs> I knew that the whole time that's what you were talking so, like, about. So, like, cavefish, they, yeah. they do technically kind of have eyes, but they don't work. So, they're, they're just vestigial. Um this thing just screams deep sea animal to me. And I think there's another hint in the fact that everyone thought this was a dolphin. The thing is, a dolphin's face is shaped that way for a reason. It's meant to maximize the ability to hunt, streamline through the water, and... You want, you want the... Do you know where I'm going? Oh! Perform tricks at SeaWorld. <laughs> echo locate. If this thing's living in the deep part of the ocean and it does not have eyes, that makes me think it has to have some sort of mechanism for discerning prey around it. It could be using echolocation, and the reason it looks like a uh, dolphin is because it's divergent evolution, where two animals unrelated to each other take on a very similar form or adaptation because it's an adaptation that works. But a weird thing about this is when you look at the photo of this thing, there, there doesn't seem to be any sort of reason about why it washed up on the shore. Like, if this is some sort of deep-sea creature that lives down in the darkest parts of the ocean, like, so far deep down that we've never seen something like this before, it doesn't look scratched, it doesn't look like it's sick, it looks actually fairly healthy, like, it's still got, like, the, it, it's colored a lot like a dolphin. Like, if you, it's got, like, that dolphin grayish look to it, but, like, it doesn't look sick. Yeah, so it's actually incredibly well-preserved. So it's making me wondering what caused that thing to wash up on the ocean, or what, why, what, why would it wash up on the beach? My first thought is maybe climate change? I mean, we don't know what effects that's happening on the deeper part of the ocean, and we do have that issue. There's a lot of fresh water pouring into the ocean right now from, uh, from polar melt, and... I, I know that's supposed to be screwing with like the uh, the the uh, jet stream and stuff like that. Mm. So that makes me think maybe it could be something like that. It could be like you know we we could see climate change changing the face of the earth now and how and its impacts on ecosystems here and its impact on animals. Like there's so little that we know about the deep part of the ocean. We know more about space than we do about the deep sea. You know the deep parts of the ocean. So it's. I can't even fathom like what that's like what that's having an impact on like down in there on these ecosystems and whatnot, and it's making me wonder if that could be what's driving a lot more of these modern, you know, paranormal encounter, cryptid encounters that we're having, or just paranormal things in general. Man, I if this is real, this is a really amazing find. Like, I, if they can find this body, and I, I kind of hope that if this is a true story. Someone snatched up the body and has begun doing DNA testing. Usually DNA testing is really hard. And I covered this in like some of our other videos, like the Alvin Plesiosaur, that DNA testing is hard on things that have been in the water for a long time because maceration and sun bleaching kind of destroys the DNA pretty quick. That's why a lot of Glopster stories, you don't find out what they are because they've been decomposed so long. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, the DNA is just not yeah. in a salvageable th uh, way. But this, like we've been saying, it looks... It looks fresh enough that you might be able to pull a DNA sample off something like this. And I'd love to see what they got back. My bet is it's going to be in the eel family. I'd almost guarantee it. Also, something that we haven't really gotten to is when you look at the picture of it being more zoomed out, 
it has kind of a shepherd's crook shape to it, mm-hmm. where the tail's long and then it kind of curves up, ending with a head, which would make me think that if it lives down in the water column, it kind of hovers in the water column with the tail pointed downward, keeping it just balanced. And the head's just their position to echolocate and then snatch at things that come close. Like uh, like oarfish, if I remember right. They're these long, almost eel-like creatures. You'll see them sometimes on cryptid pages because they look so bizarre. But they are a known species. But they'll um, kind of s- just hover vertically uh, in the water table mm. because it's, it's a useful, t- st- useful tactic for them to hunt. I'd almost think that this is using a mechanism along those lines. It looks like... Some mad scientist took a dolphin and an eel and then just combined them together and went, nope. <laughs> just tossed <laughs> us it out. I mean, I've seen people online saying that maybe this is some sort of experimental thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think it needs to be. I think this is a creature that could naturally exist. Now, why have we never seen it before? Maybe it's a rare species or... I don't know. I don't have a good reason on why we haven't seen this thing before. Could I would just blend the hollow earth theory. Oh, oh. <laughs> like that's a good that's a good cop out answer for why we haven't seen it. It's the hollow earth. It lives down in the deep recesses of the earth, and it just it just came out now. So okay, if I understand the hollow earth theory correct, there's another world down there with its own oceans. So what it swimmed out of the inner earth ocean, somehow traveled through the caves to get to regular earth ocean, and then got here and died. Yeah, yeah. like our our climate changed. Oceans merged into their natural oceans, and I went, what's going on with this? Let me investigate. Oh, now I'm dead. And it washed up on a beach. But please, guys, definitely look on our show notes. Check this out. This is a really amazing find. I've been dying all week to talk about this. Please tell us what you think about it, uh, what you think about it, what you guys think it is. We'd love to get your guys' input on that. If this comes out and turns out it's photoshopped, my heart's going to be broken. (sighs) They will have broken my little heart. I mean, if you look at it, there's no actual images of other people with it. And if you read a lot of the articles, there's no, like, somebody came and got it. There's nothing like that. Like, I think if maybe if people were really there, that, like, there'd be photos of people with it. But Yeah, I mean, there are, the story is very vague, which does make me think a potential host. But at the same time, I can't find the artifacts or anything in the imagery. Mm-hmm. It looks like a very real image. But, but again, I hope that it's real, and it could be. Yeah, crossing my fingers. <clears throat> now, if it is Photoshop, someone really did their homework biologically oh, yeah. on this oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, that's I. That's one of the things that really annoys me. I'm like, I know that people for a long time have been like trying to doctor photos to make stuff look like the panel. It always pisses me off because this technology advances; it gets easier and easier to Photoshop this stuff and create hoax images and makes it harder on paranormal investigators like us to talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, but you don't hate the technology when you play a new video game, though. Don't bring... Vi- <laughs> first First off, don't bring video games into this. They didn't do anything to you. I'm bringing in these <laughs> terrible people that are creating hoaxes out there. Oh, if only it was still as easy as the days of Hodag. You look up that image and, man, you can tell just immediately looking at that's oh, Hodag. Hoax. It's a, such a great story. Oh, you know, okay. since, we're, since we're sending people to the show notes, throw, throw an image of Hodag in there, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on there, too. Hodag is easily my favorite hoax ever. Just look at that it's thing. It's a good story. There's stories. It involves chloroforms on stick. Um, do, 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 you, do you want to cover Hodag one day? Yeah, we Maybe should. Maybe either yeah. in the... Probably do it in the extended segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, oh, we should totally... Oh, it's got bear wrestle. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's such a great... There's festivals about it. It's great. 
No, no, no. We were, today we were dedicated. We're going to talk about Susan Walsh. Okay. Susan Walsh was a, well, she's a complex person, and it's a complex case. Well, let's but let's preface this because because generally with disappearances, I'm not super always excited about. Like I like true crime and all that too, but you know, you know, most disappearances could just be you know, wrote off to other things. There needs to be some kind of paranormal element to it. You know, some I'm missing very neutral on true crime, true, true crime stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I like, I like some. I, but I get why people like them. They're just not my cup of tea. And that's not what we're trying to do today. Yeah, yeah. Guys. We wanted to bring you guys something with a cool paranormal twist. And, and I've wanted to talk about this one for a while. This is... Like, no kidding. Long, long, long before we ever started this uh, program, the two of us had a conversation about... Hey, did you ever see that documentary that was talking about, like, this reporter and her disappearance and, like, it possibly being vampire-related? I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I think think this may have been one of our, like, very first stories that we were, like, probably, like, we had both heard of and that we were, like, really interested in. And I'm glad that we're eventually covering it. Yeah. Cause I remember, wa- I remember watching this. I remember watching documentaries about this, like on TV and stuff, mm-hmm. when it, when it was going on. But don't worry, guys. We're not going to try to become a true crime podcast or no, anything no. like that. Yeah, we are a paranormal podcast, and we're going to bring you something with a twist. So as you were saying, Susan Walsh. She's a very complex individual. We're talking. Um, okay, she wanted to become a journalist. Put herself through school by working as a stripper. Um, after she graduated and started to become a journalist, she continued doing the stripper thing as well, though, to help make, make ends meet. Um, most of her stories were focusing on kind of seedy underbelly sort of things, stories involving the life of strippers, stuff involving the mafia, and stuff involving things like vampire culture. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1995, though, in a very odd situation, she ends up disappearing and although there are a lot of potential suspects, it's a very odd situation. And we'll go into more detail on that here in a bit. But there's a lot to unpack in this story. There's stuff involving the CIA. And, of course, if we have a chance to talk about vampires, we're, we're going to talk about vampires. Yeah, so she... So right after she gets out uh, of... Right after she gets out... Uh, of school, um, becomes a journalist, and she get and she's really trying to dive deep. Um, oh, we never said where this was occurring. Oh, this was yeah, it's kind of, N- oh, New York. Yeah. Sorry, guys. No, New Jersey. Is New Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. Jersey is where she ends up disappearing. Is where she ends up disappearing from. She disappears on July sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. That was the specific day that she actually disappears and goes missing. So shortly, shortly after she does this real big investigative work. On like the like the sex worker industry that she's getting involved, which is like the biggest piece that she's actually known for. Um, what happens is there was this blood that goes missing from a local hospital, and her editor at the time really wanted to know, like you know, because people at the time were were blaming vamp culture because it was exploding at this time. People that were really into going out to these nightclubs and um, dressing up as vampires, pretending to be vampires, calling themselves real vampires. Some of the people were. And people wanted to know, were they responsible for this blood going missing? Or were they really abducting people in the night? So he sends her out to go investigate uh, these vampires. And she... <sighs> Susan Walsh threw herself into her work. I'm trying to be nice. With, it, with an almost unnatural zeal. If yeah. she was in for a penny, she was in for a hundred pounds. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she, threw, she threw herself a little bit too much into her work. Uh, 
way deep into this, way deep into vamp culture. And she ends up writing this op-ed uh, op about the vampire culture, which doesn't get ran because she's pretty sympathetic to their cause. She, you know, she, she initially causes the vamp, calls the vampires that she, the people that are in this culture harmless. She said, these are people that are just out there just trying to enjoy like living a double life and things like that. Which is something that makes sense for her to be able to empathize with. Yeah. I mean, she's been a stripper for a long period of time. She's probably used to that idea of the double life where she does that to get the money and then returns home and takes care of her son. Mm -hmm. And, but shortly after she disappears, uh, after she disappears one day, a lot of fingers get pointed at, at vampires abducting her. Like, actually, if you look at it, and you know, and we, I had to watch a lot of true crime podcasts and a lot of true crime documentaries on this. And a lot of the articles at the time coming out were really saying that they, people thought that she was abducted by, by vampire cults. Like initially, like more people were probably pointing to was she like, but the real cops were looking at like, was she maybe like picked up, uh, by like a crazy ex-boyfriend or was it like the Russian mob? Because she had, you know, a lot of her work around the sex industry was, was looking at the Russian mafia, probably trying to, trying to uh, take advantage of a lot of the women in this industry. So people are looking at that. But and don't get us wrong. She had no shortage of people who could have potentially <laughs> yeah. wished ill upon her. Yeah, but everybody jumped on this bandwagon of thinking vampires abducted her or she, you know, and even some were theorizing she ran off to become a vampire, which was kind of cool which don't worry we'll we'll dig into yeah that we're, one. we're we're, get, we're getting to that you know um you know this it, it, people thought that so much that this lady Catherine ramsland who had probably one of the coolest titles that i've ever heard a clinical vampirism expert i have no clue where I, you get that credential I, from i don't i don't either but that came up on a, actually a couple of those that's just what she called herself and she writes this book where she herself goes looking deep into these vampires to think could they have been responsible? And uh, her response was similar to Susan Walsh's at the time, but you know, any good master vampires are not going to be like, "Hey, look, this is what we did." But I mean, we all know that vampire culture is a thing out there, and that vampire LARPs and stuff like that exist. But you know what? Just to just to throw a spanner into the works here, if I were a real life vampire. That's exactly where I would go. These people would be very easy to hide among. They would be very easy to manipulate. They already are looking to serve some form of dark master. I mean, I feel, I feel like you would you would hear about this group and you just get this like light bulb over your head and then these flashing lights saying free buffet. <laughs> it's like it's like oh you can eat humans for only four ninety nine. I'm like you can't even get meals like this in Vegas. Like this is nice. Now, if we're entertaining the possibility of vampires being real and assuming that they're intelligent and manipulative in the way that we normally speculate them to be or that we'd have to assume any sort of corporeal paranormal entity would have to be to survive in the modern world, this is something that if I was one of them, I don't think I could pass up utilizing. That, that's a, this would be a good tool in your toolbox. Like, I think one of the things as a vampire that you would have to do to, like, you know, maybe make more vampires is you would have to look to see could somebody live the lifestyle. Do you think that like that's a good place to go to see if people could actually live the lifestyle though? Oh man, ah, I don't know if like say if I was a vampire and I'm looking to like make more vampires, they would definitely be willing, but 
I don't know, someone who's already that invested in the idea, if the truth is too far distant from it, I don't know, that, that might end up being a hurdle. Yeah, so so when people talk about Susan Walsh and they talk about this theory that she ran off to become a vampire, then you have to ask yourself, would she make a good candidate, though, to become a vampire? Like, could she do that? And initially, when you look at her, I, I have this, she has this drive. She has this wanting to be you know, wanting to make herself better drive initially there. It's under the surface. You know, she, she struggled a lot with substance abuse, and she, but it, but it's there under the surface. I mean, the lady definitely has a strong will being a survivor of substance abuse, putting yourself through college, uh, having to do stripping on the side and all this while raising a kid. I mean, that's definitely shows some willpower right there. Mm. But like, even beyond that, one of the things that pretty much everyone says is, when Susan wanted to be the center of attention, she was the center mm -hmm. of attention. When she wanted to charm someone, that person was charmed. Um, she had that sort of animal magnetism that most fictional vampire characters wish they had. It seems to be like she already naturally possesses sort of things most authors try to instill in those sort of characters. And you, when I think about a vampire, you know, I'm thinking about a person that was once human. That, that that becomes one. And when you think about our hierarchy of needs and the things that we need, we you know, one of the things that humans need to survive is is social interaction, interactions with people. And, you know, if you're a vampire and you've been around for past a generation, everybody that you know, all of your friends and family have died. And your new cycle of friends that you may meet if they're humans also died. Like, they're... You're in this constant stream of of needing to find new people like that. I think even after a while, I think a real vampire would just become like like just addicted to that to that 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 social connection need. And Susan Walsh had that ability to make somebody feel important, make them feel special, make them feel that connection. And I think there's something to that idea of that desire for that social need because in many of the very old vampire stories that we have. They involve vampires just showing up at someone's house at night and just kind of wanting to engage with them. But, of course, not quite doing it in a socially correct sort of way. <laughs> Very awkward. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, in a lot of those old stories, though, there still is that need for a social connection. There's even a, a famous, like, well, they don't call it a vampire, but basically they're describing something that we would probably consider to be a vampire. But um, this creature of the of the night that would come out and harass people, and the way the hero of the story befriends him enough to find out how to kill him, he basically socially starts engaging with him, and the guy seemed like socially starved. So like, there's at least lore precedent for this. Yeah, because as a vampire, you're not going to have a problem finding food. You know, the population of humanity just keeps going up and up and up. So it's always just there. What you're going to have a hard time getting are those social needs. So I think some of those real charismatic individuals are just going to be the people that are just, it's like a moth to a flame almost. So like, are you kind of running off the idea that perhaps she dove into this vampiric subculture, potentially cut the eye of like potentially an actual mm -hmm. supernatural predator that would have been there just kind of benefiting off the subculture mm -hmm. and then maybe got drawn in that way. Mm -hmm. That makes a degree of sense, but I, I'm going to pitch you something close to that. If not for the social need, seeing how social outgoing and how much presence she naturally possessed, 
that she was spotted out of the crowd and someone just went, that's someone I want to make a vampire. That's someone I want to bring into our flock. That's mm-hmm. someone who could improve us as a whole. I got you. I got you. So not even not looking at it, this is a person that I need just for my needs, but someone that I want to just bring into the fold. Yeah, or someone that could just enrich them. I could see that. I could, I could, I could, I could con- see that. She had connections. She was a strong-willed person. She was incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. Want me to pitch you a I'm third l- possibility? Well, I was I was going to pitch back. Okay, okay you, you pitch no, back. No, I was going to pitch back. But I'm, to me... What if, what if, well, a lot of people also throw the, you know, would necessarily, you want to make somebody that charismatic that could possibly be a threat to you about drawing other people in. Because if you're a vampire and you're needing that kind of social need, imagine trying to bring somebody like that and make them a supernatural creature and then now cranking up that social, that prowess that she has to sheer vampirism levels you know that could even be a threat to that to that vampire's oh, ability you're, you're to create a connection. Begging, you're just begging to be usurped at that point. Uh, yeah. What about this possibility though? She dug too deep, found some truths, and they had to get rid of her. Yeah, because she she definitely had that drive to find out the real story. Like you know, she would go to extreme measures in order to do that. I mean, even to unhealthy levels. I mean, she was already delving heavily. You know, she already had a problem with substance abuse in that lifestyle. And then whenever she wanted to, one of the big uh, articles that she wrote, she wrote on the culture of the, uh, you know, of the, the, the stripping industry that she did. So she throws herself into that, like putting herself into a very unhealthy environment. So I definitely, she would be the kind of person that would dig too deep. Do you think she's the sort of person that would, if offered the chance to become a vampire, do you think she'd take it? I have a hard time bl- so I have a hard time believing that Susan Walsh could when you listen to the parts of the story where she talks about how much being a mother meant to her. Because her kid lived with her. Her kid mm-hmm. lived with her. Didn't live, didn't really live with that. Generally lived with her. And when she disappears on that July day, she disappears uh, and doesn't come back for her kid. Like her kid, like for you know, for the rest of his life lives with lives with dad. And there's a lot of weird things about that day. Like, she goes out, she drops off her um, kid with her um, ex-husband, who happens to live in the same uh, building as her. Um, she goes across the street to use the payphone, which was normal in that time mm-hmm. period. And then she never comes back. That's the last she's seen of. But she leaves her or she leaves her wallet behind. She leaves her personal effects behind. Leaves her medication behind. Yeah, leaves her medication behind. I it's pretty clear that she was planning on coming back. But a really creepy thing that was found also whenever whenever they which they found later was the the week uh before oh, I yeah, this. the the week before leading up to this day uh was ripped from her journal or from her uh, from her itinerary. So she was definitely up to something going or, on that someone didn't want found. Yeah, or some yeah, or someone didn't want to know where she had been. Absolutely. My thing is this. Some people have speculated that she killed herself, and I, I don't think that that's the case. And here's why. Um, first, you usually, you know, leave a note. People who are committing suicide very rarely are that concerned about making sure their body is unfindable. They usually don't just fully disappear like this. It would be a very unique case. Like, we work in community mental health, and have you ever actually heard about 
um, someone attempting suicide in that sort of manner. No. And actually, in a lot of cases involving, and actually a lot of people end up um, wanting to be found, like wanting to be found or wanting in, in some way, actually to the other end. So, no, um, I don't. Another thing is also people think that she may have been um, abducted by the, the Russian mafia. Like, they were the ones that came and got her. And I have a hard time believing them because she she writes this this her her claim to fame in journalism is this piece that comes out in this book called Red Light um, that she did for this guy and she generally profiles everything going on in the sex industry at the time that she was surrounded you know that she was uh, surrounded by but there didn't seem to be any fallout from that for the industry yeah and she at least seemed to have believed that. They she had connections still with him because at one point, she she felt that in the weeks uh, before she disappeared, someone was following her, someone was stalking her. Well, a and, lot of people were stalking yeah, her, and that one of her thoughts was she could go to some of the connections she still had in the Russian mafia and see if they could deal with it. Yeah, that was very casual too. That they said like, yeah, yeah I can just I'll just go to the mob and just take care of somebody that's following me. It didn't really bother me. Yeah, so I she must have at least herself thought she had a reason that she could go back to these people that she had not fully burnt all of her bridges mm-hmm. but again if you think that she was uh abducted by a vampire she disappears <laughs> in the middle of the day yeah that's actually one High of the noon. big problems maybe some sort of vampiric servant or they hired some human to or maybe it's not a vampire. the vampire thing is a very fun idea but there's a lot more things to kind of dive into than just that like another one that people say a lot is she probably just went back to doing drugs. But I got a real quick one that kind of, I think, makes a good point here. If you're going to go dive, or abandon your family to dive into a life of drugs, why do you leave your money behind? You would definitely go back for your money. Well, if you're an addict, why would you not take your pills with you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, things that would be lucrative. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that was the case. I think that she felt she was coming back or that she no longer needed those objects. Something that a lot of people talk about. She she talked all the time about thinking she was being followed by, like, the CIA. Yeah, in a party not long before that she vanished. And I'm glad you brought this up because I was really wanting to get into this because this is the other strange and unusual angle on it. She was telling people that she believed she's being followed by the CIA. And that's, oh, well, what, what do you think? Well, I really want to know, because I hear that in a lot of paranormal stories of people saying, oh, I'm being followed by the CIA, I'm being followed by the mafia, I'm following, being followed by the... How would, you, how would you be able to recognize the differences between a CIA agent, a man in black, and like the mob? I have no clue. I do. The car. I can tell you, that all of those people are going to be definitely be driving different cars. If I'm in the mob, what am I driving? A Crown Victoria. Giant trunk space, three bodies easily. If I'm working for the CIA, Lincoln. Nice. Very nice, kind of snazzy government car. So, you think that she was able to identify more or less what a government car was and just kind of speculate from there? No, I'm saying next time you think that you're being followed by them, you need to be telling us what the car looks like. Oh. <laughs> so that, that way we know. That way we can kind of narrow this down a little bit. Oh, I thought you were trying to imply some sort of insight she must have had. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm showing a difficulty in people having an insight in what they're being followed by because of this. Because I... I'm I'm so, I'm a mafioso person and a CIA agent and a man in black are probably going to be looking very similarly while you're being followed by them. Like I know in the the last days before she dis- she disappeared, um, a lot of her friends were speculating that she may be getting back into drugs, 
And I got an alternate theory on that one too. When you think someone's getting into drugs, you usually base that on their behavior. Usually that means they're being bizarre or they're being paranoid. Like being or, followed by the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it is possible that she was. I mean, she had that history. She had been in recovery for quite some time and hadn't really had any big slip-ups that were noted. But the other possibility is she was being paranoid because someone was actually after her. Well, I mean, she was also bipolar and yeah she was on drugs and drugs are no matter how med compliant you are while you're by you know oh we don't know that she was on drugs that was never it confirmed. Was heavily suspected the no one had actually seen her do it do them people just had suspected that she may have been you know true but she was in my in my mind she's going to hanging out a, she's going to hanging out a strip club she's hanging out with seedy dudes living this living this lifestyle i mean to me and her friends say that she's pale acting erratic you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Um, I would be safe to say that. That's true good. about you most of the time. <laughs> Pale, erratic. <laughs> I know hey. for the fact you're not on hey. drugs. Hey, but you know, to, but we're talking about like Susan. Like, if you were begging money, would you would you think that she was on drugs? Well, and I wasn't there to see her. Maybe I definitely think that she was acting outside her normal, and she mm -hmm. was likely being paranoid because that's usually exactly the behavior that makes people think someone's on drugs. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying we, we can't really throw out that maybe she had a reason to. To think that she was being followed? Yeah. Like, if she she may have just been legitimately paranoid, and that may have been making her friends believe that she's back on drugs because she's paranoid. Because right. hadn't she been in recovery for, like, over five years? Like, she, she hadn't used drugs in quite some time, if yeah, I remember yeah, right. Yeah, it had. She had been, it had been a while. But also keep in mind, you know, she, you know anybody who's that charismatic and draws your attention to him. I mean, you could be drawing the attention of a mafia boss. That's true. And I you can't really I do think it's kind of naive her statement on, "Oh, I can probably just go to the mafia and get them to take care of something like this." It makes me think that maybe her connection with the mafia is not as sound as it she believed it to be. I really don't think they forgive that fast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she probably got told a lot of wild stories when she was a stripper. Like, I'm sure she met a lot of professional athletes. You guys can't see the air quotes. <laughs> Mafia, Oso people, whatever they got to say to get some attention from a relatively attractive, charismatic woman. Let's go back to the CIA thing. Okay. What do you think that she could have done to attract the attention of a government agency? Uh, possibly find vampires. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, 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 if if someone had evidence of vampires, I would imagine the government, assuming they don't already know everything there is to know about it, would well, be interested. But but well, uh, well, keep in mind. So so one of the things that that happens if you're if you're a government entity and you're needing to target a high profile person, whether it's say a mafia boss or your you're the paranormal wing, you know, the paranormal, the paranormal bureau for defense, whatever. And, uh, you got to find vampires. You're going to be targeting the, the carrier, the people, the, the go between people. So if she maybe had gotten in contact with someone who's pretty seedy or vampires and the government's trying to track these, get to these people, they're going to be following her. I mean, that makes some sense. She would likely lead them to them yeah. at some point. Vampires are good at covering their tracks. Criminals are good at covering their tracks. Someone like Susan Walsh is probably not good at covering her tracks. 
I know we're really pulling out the vampire thing, guys, <laughs> but I got, I got one more thing to throw on the fire. No, I, 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 I think it's a good angle. I mean, I think it's a good angle. I'm just saying. Like, if you look at, like, traditional vampire lore, not really the movies, a vampire is basically a revenant, which is just a person who has come back to life but is effectively still a dead body. Fancy and, zombie. Uh, kind of but I know revenant is a, kind of a wider sweeping term but it's a revenant that needs blood to sustain itself Fancy. or depending on where your vampire story comes from sometimes it's like they need flesh or something like that fancy zombie that's a picky eater <laughs> but one thing that I believe would be true is I think if you became a revenant of pretty much any kind that would pretty much end your need for chemical dependency and would probably end your need for psychological meds. I think that's an extreme measure to cure substance abuse. Of let's become a vampire. I'm just, I'm just saying that it would make sense that those biological needs will have stopped. I don't think she fell off the wagon that hard. <laughs> that she was like, man, I want to become a vampire because I want to get off crack. <laughs> like, I'm just. We've met a lot of people in our career hoping to get off drugs for a variety of you know for a reason. I've never seen one driven to become a vampire. <laughs> like, I am, what, I am to not go, either. Willing, willing to do that, but I had to say it. I had to throw this out there. Also, I got to use the word revenant. That is something I do not get to use in day to day conversation, and I love saying it. I got to say fancy zombie, so I'm pretty happy too. Good, good. I'm glad. You're, I'm glad we're both <laughs> feeling good about ourselves we, at we, this moment. <laughs> This is this podcast is has made us feel a lot better. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Susan Walsh, do you think her disappearance was mundane or paranormal? I know we've had a lot of fun talking mm. talking it out, and a lot of people like to speculate about this, but they, no one ever does a, a more of a deep dive into it or even really a conversation on it. Mm. But what what do you think? There was a will. For her not to be found. There is an absolute will for her not to be found. I would say there is definitely strong paranormal aspects of there. Were, there was a lot of unusual things going on with Susan Walsh. You know, um, something that, you know, I am, that, that we do know a lot about. And I don't think that people talk a lot about. When it comes to, like, like vamp culture, any culture that has like a really strong, like, like, like secretive identity, like something like that, you know, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of different vamp cultures are like that, you know, God, larpers are like that. I mean, I've seen people in SCA, you, you, and you adopt this other any place where you adopt this other identity, people are very protective of that world. And if you have somebody who is diving deep into it that that you may see as a threat, or you you may respond to it, or she may be that just drawn to it. So it could be them, it could be her. I like talking about vampires. I am not a hundred percent sold that they are a real thing. Um, I think their lore is interesting. It deviates a lot from kind of the Hollywood idea of a vampire, and that's an idea that we have been leaning kind of heavily on. But it makes for an interesting, fun conversation. But what I would say is I do definitely believe there are corporeal supernatural entities that have a vested interest in hiding among humans. And I think a place like a vampire club would be a very easy place to find people to manipulate and to serve your own ends. 
Now, I can't say that she ran afoul of something like that, but it's something that I would say is a possibility. If you're a magnetic personality, by very definition, you draw attention. And I imagine, based on what people said about her, she was probably the most magnetic personality there. Not saying bad things about people in vampire society, it's just people say that she was just incredibly charismatic, mm -hmm. that she lit up rooms when she wanted to. If she drew the attention of something sinister, I could see that happening. Also, she did leave, live a life with plenty of people who had reasons not to, not to like her. But... We wouldn't be us if we did not entertain some of these no, possibilities. No, no, this is, no, this is we exactly wouldn't. what we do. Yeah. Anything, anything before we put a bow on uh, Susan Walsh? No, I think that about does it for today. Or at least for the free segment of the show. Yes. Stick around, guys, because we're about to get into our extended section. A segment we intermittently call Pillow Talk. Talk. <laughs> I don't know why we don't remember to call it that every time. I, I don't know either, but it's going to be fun because today, guys, we're talking about weird stuff that's fallen from the sky. And guys, there's been some weird stuff. <laughs> some very weird stuff. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So the weird stuff that's fallen from the sky. Okay, where where do we want to start? Um, so, Okay. Like, you know I have a family story on this? I did not know you had a family story on this. Yeah, let's you, start, you, let's you start, start. No, no, no. no, 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 let, no. Let's say that. Let's say that for the end. No, you can't lead in with, you oh, I have so a family. You so can because you saved the best for last. Oh, you do save the best for last. Okay, so that, it was really it was really weird to try to figure out where to start with this because there's so much weird stuff that's falling from the sky. Fish, frogs, money, blood, stuff people can identify. Large chunks of indis indiscriminate meat. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it was the Kentucky meat shower. That was definitely one where the, the meat was indefinable, not indiscriminate. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that was, oh, God, that was so weird. I think it was Baker Baker County. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Baker County, uh, Kentucky, and just this, these large, weird chunks of meat just start falling from the sky. Yeah, and one of the accounts is, like, from people at a funeral. Oh, that's what we're doing.